0: this past summer uh, the coaches in the SEC conference I started attacking the head coach of Texas A&M Jimbo Fisher because he was able to get the number one recruiting class in all of college football you know they were they were mad at his tactics and uh, they accused him of doing some things that he shouldn't have done and you know, and when the dust settled, Jimbo Fisher, the, the head coach there at AM, said, We often fight with the people that we love the most, the people that we're closest to. You know, I've been married for 14 years. I don't know if I agree with Jimbo. Kathy and I, we'd never fight. You know, like we never get in an argument. My kids, they never fight. I mean, I, I don't. Do you fight with the people that you're closest to? I don't think that's. You know, uh, I didn't know this, but. In the 1940s, there were two brothers that owned a a shoe company in Europe. And uh, they they went to this bomb shelter during the war, you know. And they started fighting and they, they broke up this company because of the fight that they had in this bomb shelter. One guy, he started the company called Adidas. And the other guy, the other brother, started a shoe company called Puma. Did you know that? I didn't know that. But here they are, they started these two, the brothers, started these companies because they couldn't get along. I have an older brother. Uh, He's a smart guy. He lives in Indiana. He's a good guy. He's had a lot of success, and he's a good father, good husband. Uh, I was, just, he has two daughters. I, I had the privilege and honor of getting to marry his oldest daughter this summer. His youngest daughter is going to that prestigious university over in Kansas, she she attends this spring, you know, she's a senior this year. I hear they have a pretty good football team, unlike some other, some other, you know, universities around here. They, they actually, <laughs> when my brother and I were younger, though, you know, we were, we acted like brothers. We would get on each other's nerves, and he's five years older, older than me, so as a young boy, guess what? I would take the The brunt of the bruises, you know, I would lose a lot of the competitions and you know uh, He was only he's my older brother But he's only been my my even though he's older. He's only been my bigger brother for about 16 17 years Now I'm the I'm bigger and I really thought when I was younger that being getting to be bigger than my older brother would pay off but let me tell you, you know, as grown men, you don't get to rough house like you did as a young kid. You know, you don't get those opportunities. I've, I've waited and I'm just like, man, when am I going to get this chance, you know, just to thump him, you know, and it just hasn't happened. And so, but so now we play mind games with each other. You know, we, we, we act like immature boys sometimes and I go to his house and I'll, I'll hide his remote or you know, I'll, I'll put his keys somewhere where he doesn't know where they are. I, you know, I do something like, I just try to get underneath his skin as best as I can. That's, that's the mature way to handle it, I think. But when we look at today's passage of Scripture, we see that from the very beginning, brothers have found a way to kind of get it on each other's nerves. Unfortunately, not all our brothers play pranks on one another. We see in today's passage of Scripture that the destruction, we see the destruction that could take place in a family dynamic. And friends, if they happen in families. I mean, in a family, if brothers can do this to one another. I mean, honestly, it can happen to anybody in any relationships. Verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. Adam and Eve here, they, they had two sons, Cain and Abel. I won't go into their, the meaning of their names, but there's a, there's a lot of speculation, I will say this, that there's a lot of speculation on whether or not these were Cain and, I mean, Adam and Eve's first children. It's Cain and Abel, their first kids. We know that these two boys are not their only children, but the question, I guess, is whether or not they're their first. And the Bible's kind of unclear on whether or not these are their first children. There's reason to believe that there's not, that they're not their first kids. And we'll get to that here at, towards the end of the sermon. But it seems that at the very least that maybe these are their first two sons. But that's even, you know, can be a reach, can be speculation. We don't really know. The Bible's not clear on it. But a lot of times we read this and we think, at least historically, at least I have, maybe you've picked up on this better than I have. But Cain does mean helper. And Abel does mean breath or vapor. Their names. Cain was a worker of the ground, a farmer, and Abel was a shepherd. I think it's important to note that here that they didn't do the same thing. I mean, kind of like those brothers in Europe, they just not like those brothers in Europe that, that, that each of them own a, a shoe company. Like here, they, they, do, they have kind of two different personalities, you know. I mean, I'm not sure about you and your kids. You know, some of you have boys, and we have two boys that are completely opposite of one another. Not, not all of your kids are the same. Cain and Abel, their personalities were very different. A lot of conflict. The, the relationship honestly reminds me a lot of Jacob and Esau. Very different personalities, a lot of conflict. And today we see a lot of their personalities and of course a lot of the conflict as well. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so Cain was very angry. And his face fell and the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Listen to this. Cain and Abel show us that man has been worshiping God from the very beginning. I mean... This offering wasn't a sin offering, it was an offering of fellowship. Man has this inherent, and this desire inside of him to have fellowship with God. I truly do believe that. You know, like, man instinctively wants to believe in a higher power. You ever taught children in the Bible? You ever taught a kid? I mean, they, they want to believe. It's not difficult for a child to have childlike faith. <laughs> they just, it's just part of their nature. You know, kids, I, they don't always believe everything that you tell them, you know. But when it comes to, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why there's so many different faiths. I mean, kids just are willing to believe. Even, even if it's the wrong thing, they, they just instinctively believe in, in a higher power. Children are quick to believe in a higher power. As they grow older, what happens though? Many of them fall from their faith. Why is that? Is it because their faith wasn't real? Is it because they've uh, became wise? Is it because they have realized that their faith was a scam? Is it because they've had a hardship or... Why is it that children, so many children fall away? I mean, the statistics are there. If you do some research, you'll find so many kids fall away from their faith as they grow older. I think it's been my experience that in a lot of these situations, not all, but in a lot, sin becomes more prevalent in their life. And they grow closer to sin than they do grow closer to the Lord. But children, it's not that they stop believing, but rather they stop growing closer to God and they start growing closer to the Lord. I, last week we saw uh, Ryan get baptized and then he baptized his two children. Had a lot of positive you know, feedback from that, Ryan, and I just applaud you for doing that. And I think it's important for, cho- for children to see that their parents have a vital role in the upbringing of their faith. I mean, parents, don't, don't miss that opportunity to raise up your kids, to train up your kids in the way that they should go. I mean, no one is going to teach your children better how to be a follower of Jesus than you. What your kids learn about being a follower, they learn largely from you. Not from me. Not from Amy. Not from Rod. Thank the Lord it's not from Matt. I mean, it is... It is... It's from you. It's from you. And if you're not going to take the time to teach them, to make it a priority then I promise you they are going to grow closer to sin than to the Lord. Because sin is crouching at their door, friends. Satan is crouching at their door. It's not inside of them, friends. It's inside of them to believe. We, we have a sinful nature and we're, we have a tendency, you know, a tendency to sin. But we also have within us the desire to believe and we're either going to grow closer to the the Lord or closer to sin I pray that your children will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I pray that they will have fellowship with our Lord for some of you today are, are contributing so much to our church other of you is not so much, and some of you contribute in very public ways. Other of you are very much behind the scenes type of people, and I appreciate it all. I really I do. Uh, so, if some of you left today, we would feel it. You know, I mean, like if some of you just said, "I'm going to move," "I'm going to change membership," "I'm going to," "I'm going to go to a different church," or "I'm going to," "I'm going to move out of the state or out of the city of St. Joe," and I just need to, you know, we've had that in the past year. I mean, we've had a couple people move from St. Joe. And I mean, I, I tell you, some of these people that are leaving are just like, man, it's hard. You know, it's hard to see them leave. They're so important to our church and what we do here. And like, I, I think of one guy in particular who moved and who left. And like, we, I mean, we, we've had to make some, make some serious changes in our church because, it's because he's not here, you know. His contribution. I appreciate all that you do. And God does too. But I don't think God loves any of you anymore because of what you do. God cares about you. Each and every one of you. There's no favoritism with God. God loves you. Each and every one of us that are here today. There's nothing that you can do to receive an extra portion of God's grace. There's nothing that you can do to... I mean, God just... God loves you. And he's going to love you no matter what you do. He'll be disappointed in you, maybe. He'll be angry with you. He might judge you. There, there's consequences and things that you do. And God is the source of this. I mean, God's going to discipline you. He disciplines those that he loves, but he still loves you. Look at this verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, Cain's offering wasn't pleasing to God. It had nothing to do with Cain. It was, it was his heart, his motivation, his, the act of fellowship there, the sacrifice, was not pleasing to God. It wasn't Cain that he wasn't pleased with. God loved Cain. But Cain made a decision to bring an offering to God that did not please God. And God said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? I mean, God loves Cain. And yet, here he is doing something. God would have had the same regard for Cain's offering as Abel if he had done well. God would would have accepted it if he did well. Unfortunately, this wasn't the case. Listen to the warning, though. I mean, if you don't think that God had regard for Cain, listen to this warning that he gives him. Sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you. I mean, this is just a black and white, very much a warning from God. Maybe unlike any other warning we see throughout all of Scripture, God is just crystal clear, explicitly warning Cain. Sin is there. It's crouching at your door. (laughs) Its desire is contrary to you. As believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we have staked our lives on Jesus, friends. Our identity isn't this world, and yet the sin of this world is crouching at our door, friends. It is. <laughs> it's contrary to who you are, though. Your identity isn't sin. Your identity is Jesus Christ. <laughs> so this is a it's not a game it's not a game that you want to play with and if you do friends let me tell you you're no better than the next person no stronger no special treatment there are consequences to sin there are consequences to your actions to the decisions that you make listen to this for a second It will change your life, and never for the better. Look at verse 8, if you don't believe me. Sin will change your life, and never in the history of the world does sin improve your life. Never. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. We don't know the details of the conversation that Cain and Abel had when they were in the field together, but Cain murdered, he chose to murder his brother. There's been obvious sin since the fall in chapter 3. We've seen some of it here today. We don't know all of them. But this is obviously the most serious sin since the fall. Look at the reaction from God as Cain brought an unworthy sacrifice in verse 3. Not today, but, but to how God responds to Cain murdering his brother. Abel's blood was crying out to God. If you were here last week, you probably kind of noticed God asked a similar question to when Adam and Eve sinned to when Cain killed his brother. Where is your brother? I mean, does God not know what's happened? to Of course he does. But he asked the question, why? To help Cain understand the seriousness of what just happened. Friends, when someone dies, that's it. I mean, there is no... It's, it's over. It's final. This is the, the first death that we see recorded in Scripture. I mean, it is. Cain needs to understand what he has just done. The, the seriousness of this sin. God cursed the land that Cain worked. Cain was a crop farmer, you know? And God said, no longer will you produce a valuable crop from the earth that you work. No longer will you have land. You'll be a wanderer. You ever met a crop farmer? My grandfather was one. I I grew up in northern Indiana. Some of the best farmland in all of the world is in northwest Indiana. I mean, every, they, they take out fences to put in more crops in Indiana. I mean, they just, that's what they do. Some of my, my very good friends are, are crop farmers. You know, they just, their whole livelihood is based around their yield, you know, their land. I mean, I, a lot of them, they just, they never leave. I had a friend of mine down in Texas. They were they were farmers, and Te- they never left the state of Texas. You know what I mean? They just they, they just that was their livelihood. They stayed there on the farm, and they worked year round. I mean, can you imagine if you're a farmer and God takes away your farm, God takes away the ability for you to produce a yield? I mean, that's He's taken away his livelihood his ability to provide for himself. And what does Cain do? I mean, immediately he hears this from God. Immediately he hears this and he says, what? That's too much. I can't can't handle that. That's going to kill me. I can't handle that. Cain says, to the Lord in verse 13 my punishment is greater than I can bear behold you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden and I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me then the Lord said to him not so, not so if anyone kills Cain vengeance shall also be taken on him sevenfold and the Lord put a mark on Cain lest anyone who found him should attack him when Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Earlier, I made mention that there are speculations and theories that Adam and Eve had children before Cain and Abel. This might be one of the reasons why people think that. If you look at verse 14, whoever finds me will kill me. I mean, up to this point, we know of four people Adam and Eve, and Cain and Abel, right? Abel's dead so there's three of them who's going to find them if there's just three people the theory is, is what Adam and Eve had children prior to Cain and Abel and the, their brother's keeper is going to see what's happened and they're going to take vengeance on Cain that's his fear, that's his worry I don't think this is the reason that Cain and Abel are in the Bible though I really don't. I don't think it's something that we need to lose sleep over. Canaan commits a great sin and there's punishment. God punishes the sinner. And when God has asked for mercy, God provides it. When God has asked for mercy, God provides. When God has asked for mercy, God provides. As we look throughout scripture, having a brother really isn't all that cracked up to be, you know. We see this story of Cain killing his brother, We see the deception in Jacob and Esau. I mean, Joseph and his brothers, I mean, they sold him into slavery, wanted to kill him. Young David's brothers didn't want him to fight Goliath. And then even in the New Testament, I mean, the prodigal son, his brother didn't want him to return to his father's house. In each of these stories, though, there's at least one opportunity for redemption. I mean, one opportunity for mercy. God always provides the rotten brother an opportunity for mercy. You know? In my story, and I'm sure in your story, there have been many opportunities for you to be a rotten brother, a rotten sister, somebody that uh, you shouldn't be. Sin has crouched at your door and you've let them in. You know, I think about uh, my life. Probably one of my greatest sin has been just a wasted opportunity. You know. Wasted chance. Wasted time. Wasted opportunity to have fellowship with God or fellowship with a fellow believer. I remember when I first started pastoring in Clay City, Indiana. My very first church that I pastored. I, uh, a couple of years, I was there for six years, and a couple of, a couple of years in, I went to this uh, leadership conference, our state convention held, and uh, the church that I pastored was just—I mean, it was struggling, small church and rural. Right? I mean, really, honestly, right in the middle of a cornfield, and uh, a town of about 800 people, uh, made up of farmers and teachers. Great people, good people, salt of the earth type people. And uh, they had a pastor that just was a good man prior to me, but just had poor leadership skills and uh, poor interrelationship skills, you know, just interpersonal relationship skills. He just couldn't connect with people. And he preached well, he, he taught well, but he just, he failed to connect with the people. And the church went just kind of downward. And uh, I know that's a story you've never heard before. And, uh, but, I, you know, I, I struggled to get that church uh, back to where they once were before. And uh, I went to this retreat that I was telling you about. And... Uh, one of the guys there said, you know, you can only blame the other guy for so long. Sometimes you gotta look back at yourself and say, Now it's my responsibility. It's my fault. You know. I I, I realized that, you know, in that moment, you know, the church wasn't where it needed to be, not because of somebody else, but because of me. I wasted opportunities, I wasted time and you know I allow for sin to crouch at my door for too long. We can blame anybody and everybody for the mistakes that we make but the reality is friends is that we are oftentimes the rotten brother the rotten sister the believer that has failed to overcome sin and instead of having fellowship with God we grow closer to sin I don't know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord today. I pray that you would take this time, this opportunity, as we come to the close of this service, to grow near to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That you would use this opportunity to close the door to sin. As it's crouching at your door, Would you take this opportunity to shut it and allow for the opportunity to grow closer to the Lord, to have fellowship with God? God knows your heart, friends. He knows why you're here, He knows what's going on in your life, He knows your deepest and darkest sin, your secrets, your identity. He desires, even in the midst of all of that, to have fellowship with you. He desires the opportunity to hand you mercy and grace. Even when you deser- deserve judgment and punishment, God loves you. And He wants to give you mercy today. He wants to provide you the grace that you need to become the people that God wants you to be. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to to recognize this opportunity to have fellowship with you. Father, I pray that you would give us the the grace that we need to be the men and women that you've called us to be, to do the things you've called us to do. And Father, forgive us when we're not that person. Forgive us when we allow for sin to, to to crouch at our door for, for too long. Forgive us when we, when we fail you. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for this chance that we have to gather together in this place and to, to recognize our need for you, to recognize our need for one another and I pray that this opportunity wouldn't pass us by but rather that we would capitalize on it, Lord. Father God, we love you so much, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said.